Good morning, Pensacola. Andrew McKay and the Pensacola Morning News starts right now. Strong start, sir. It's like I'm his board op. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I can do that next. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day, Mr. President. It's on. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, everybody has technical issues once in a while. I don't hold it against the man whatsoever. And everybody, everybody messes up their words, too. That happens, too. Yesterday morning, on what would have been Dr. King's 94th birthday, I attended the Sunday service. He said 94th? I swear. Hold on. Say Yesterday again. morning, on what would have been Dr. King's 94th birthday, Did. I attended the Sunday services at Ebenezer. And I was deeply meaningful and moving for me. It was uh, because we face another inflection point in our nation's history. All right. So that's the stage setter. And he talked, of course, about Martin Luther King Jr., his ministry, his values, the importance he had to the history of uh, racial justice in America. All perfectly appropriate. All perfectly appropriate. And in fact, you know, um, I was listening to some folks talk about this yesterday and several different sources actually making the comment that um, the version of Martin Luther King Jr. that we sort of teach talk about whatever is a very sanitized version and i don't mean like we cover up the rough and ugly spots that's that's like what the conservative fools would say that i was talking about yesterday Uh, i mean that like we talk about him in this sort of blandly general pro-justice pro-america religious guy as opposed to the sort of you know radical revolutionary person who was really concerned about major flaws in the system that he saw in the United States of America. And I thought that was appropriate. That's true. Uh, you know, if you've read Letter from Birmingham Jail and many of his speeches, you know, you, you know the big highlight moments, but you got to listen to the rest of the speech, too, you know, because the highlight isn't the whole speech. And I thought they were right about that. So the president did appropriate honors uh, to Martin Luther King Jr. yesterday. Um, and then he decided to go into... I, I don't know what would you call this exactly sort of a stump speech rally because it's a lot of this is stuff that we've heard before but in a moment where it just seemed out of place he was just sort of doing his own these are the cool things about me and most of them were really kind of factually or analytically wrong like this moment he was talking about the deficit and spending in Washington. 15% seems to me to be a bare minimum when a corporate make, corporation making tens of billions of dollars should be paying. And I've support, I actually generally supported that idea, the 15% uh, sales tax minimum for businesses. You know, I, I, I may be wrong about this, but I thought that was actually fine. It didn't bother me at all. But that was the preface here. We're making this progress at the same time, reducing the deficit. You know, they're, talk, they're going to talk about big spending Democrats again. Guess what? 
I reduced the deficit last year, $350 billion. And this year, federal deficit is down $1 trillion plus dollars. Hear me, that's a fact. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's a fact. But if you look at the deficit over the last, I don't know, 10 years, even if you go back four years, what you saw in uh, 2018 was a deficit of around $800 billion. What you saw in 2019 was a deficit right around a trillion. Okay, so last year of the Trump presidency, 2000, about $1 trillion. Uh, the first year of the Biden administration was uh, 2020. And, uh, well, I mean, he got elected in that, sorry. But in that year, we had a three point, I think it's two, okay? I'm actually looking at a chart, not numbers, but I'm looking at a chart. $3.2 trillion, okay? Which was COVID money, right? That was crazy COVID spending. Some of which was necessary, much of which was not. The following year, in 2021, it was 2.7, I think, or so, 2.7 or 2.8. So he's bragging, and we've talked about this before, but he's bragging about cutting the deficit from outrageous levels. You know, brag about that. <laughs> that was uh, one, two and a half trillion dollars more than two years prior. You don't brag about that. And the same thing this past year, it goes down to 1.5 from 2.7. So yeah, it's a big drop. It's still half a billion, sorry, half a trillion dollars higher than it had been in 2019. So it is down. He's not lying. It is a fact, but facts in context. Kind of like the Biden administration has been bragging about things like, look, gas prices have gone down this year. Yeah, but sir, <laughs> you know, compared to what baseline? You know, and if I go out and waste a whole bunch of money this year and run a deficit in my household, and then next year I tell my wife, it's okay, I'm only going to waste three quarters as much. We're, we're doing better. You know, well, she wouldn't. that wouldn't be acceptable to her. And if I said the following year, I'm only going to waste 25%, as much as I did that so that first year, she'd be like, yeah, still not good enough. <laughs> and that's the point. You don't brag about this, but he does because he wanted to make this. I don't know if this was a line in the speech or if this was an ad lib, but this was the one that kind of got the news yesterday. And there's going to be hundreds of billions reduced over the next decade. But so what? These guys are the <laughs> fiscally, you know, they're fiscally demented, I think. They don't, they don't quite get it. Yeah, we, we, we do get it. <laughs> we do actually understand how this works, but okay. So that was one. I, that, that got a lot of the news. I didn't think that was such a big moment because that's he's said this many times. He's made this lie many times. He's been fact-checked by everybody on this, and they have said this is very, very misleading and or just wrong, okay? So, yeah, that's part of it. But that was, you know, that's preamble compared to some of the stuff that was about to come. You ready for this one? I signed a historic executive order that included key elements of that bill for the federal, at the federal level. It bans chokeholds and greatly restricts no-knock warrants. It creates a national database for officer misconduct that must be placed in the national database. All of which is fine. All of which, and, I mean, national ban and chokeholds, it's fine. Um, after George Floyd, and I mean, I don't, I don't like taking tools out of the police equipment box, but okay. Uh, most of that is okay, but that was the context, was police reform. To tighten the use of force policies, to emphasize de-escalation. We have to retrain cops as to why should you always shoot for de with deadly force? The fact is, if you need to use your weapon, you don't have to do that. Oh, good Lord. 
<laughs> how listen one of the things that i try to do is give you enough access to law enforcement agencies like escambia and center of the sheriff's office and ppd and when necessary milton police and gulf breeze police and you know when something of course and i want you to hear from them and what you hear from them is a very consistent message which is that you shoot somebody when they are a threat to life or limb and the idea that you could shoot somebody to just sort of make them fall down, <laughs> you know, like in the leg, like in the movies, is nonsense. You shoot somebody when you're justified in killing them. And that's what you're trying to do when they are doing something that justifies killing them. If you shoot them and you inadvertently miss and hit the leg that's bad aim or luck because you really can't. I mean, it's so hard in circumstances to put a grouping that tight, even at a fairly close distance. To count on somebody being able to do something like that is such utter nonsense. It, it's frustrating because I know how all of my cop friends and all of my other cop non-friends that I just don't know yet all around the country would hear him say this and just facepalm kind of stuff like are you kidding me this is the guy running the party making the rules telling us how to do our jobs shoot to not kill why should you always shoot for dead with deadly force the fact is if you need to use your weapon you don't have to do that if you need to use your weapon you are shooting to kill if you're justified in using your weapon you're shooting to kill and under no other circumstance are you justified in using your weapon and this is I don't talk about this as a way of saying, oh, look, Biden's stupid, okay? I say this because he's representing a viewpoint that I think a lot of people have, and it's a problem of people don't have basic comprehension of the subjects that they're talking about. You know, he, he did another one yesterday when he was talking about assault weapons, banning assault weapons. Here, I'll play it for you. I signed the first major gun safety legislation in nearly 30 years. <clears throat> And I'll say what I said then, I'll say it over and over again. I am going to get assault weapons banned. I did it once, I'm going to do it again. There's no social redeeming value. Deer aren't wearing Kevlar vests out there. What the hell you need a assault? No, I'm serious. And ban the number of bullets and go in a magazine. There's no, no need for any of that. Okay, so again, it's not a line that's new. He's said things like this before. He might have even said this exact line, but for some reason yesterday, it suddenly dawned on me how stupid of a comment this is. Because, okay, you're using, let's say you're using uh, five, five, six ammunition, okay, rifle rounds. And he says, well, what do you need that for? The deer aren't wearing Kevlar. Well, what do you think hunters use when they're not using a five, five, six? You think they're using a pistol? Kevlar stops pistols, mostly. It's There's no such thing as bulletproof. It's bullet-resistant, but okay. Kevlar stops a pistol or a shotgun. Typically, when you're hunting a deer, what are you using? Come on, even non-hunters know this. Rifles! Thank you, Candy. <laughs> you buy a hunting rifle. And a hunting rifle, very common rifle round, is going to be what? 308, which is 762, which is the AK-47 round, all the same, Okay. It's got more power than a 5.56. <laughs> it's like he 
the Kevlar is not relevant to this conversation because it's not as though the people who aren't using the five, five, six rounds are using nine millimeter to hunt a deer. And again, yes, it's stupid. Yes, it's a throwaway comment, but it's meant for a kind of a applause line or something at a, you know, when you're talking to your friendlies. But it demonstrates such profound ignorance of the subject matter that you can't take the policy recommend recommendations seriously. That's the point. Four three seven sixteen twenty four three seven sixteen twenty. I'm Andrew McKay. When you're an innovative business, every blinking cursor, every blank page is an opportunity. What will you do with it? Will you make something better or create something new? Our Dell Technologies advisors provide you with tools and expertise to do incredible things. Because we believe there's an innovator in all of us. For advice on smart PCs powered by Intel vPro that's built for business, call a Dell Technologies advisor at 877-ASK-DELL. Research shows listeners prefer a personalized experience. So to help you remember Liberty Mutual customizes your home insurance, we personalize this ad for Amber, who really misses boy bands from the 90s. Hey, girl, <laughs> I'm the cute one, here to tell you how Liberty Mutual customizes your home insurance so you only pay for what you need. I'm the heartthrob. The only thing I love more than you is saving. And I'm the other boy in the band everyone forgot about. Just happy to be here. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Listen to News Radio on air at 92.3 FM, 95.3 FM, AM 1620, and online at newsradio923.com. Download our mobile app or listen through Alexa. It's not nice to fool Mother Nature. my snarky listeners up and early this morning it's great because <laughs> i got like one person a friend's texting me he's like uh so this business of you know don't shoot if you have to shoot somebody for goodness sakes don't shoot to kill them if you're a cop it says uh, this person says said by a politician surrounded by people with guns um <laughs> you know what's the advice to the secret service okay guys listen if somebody's trying to kill me you have permission to shoot them in the leg, not anywhere else. I just want you to make sure you don't, there's no need to shoot to kill. I mean, come on, use your judgment and ask, will he give up his secret service detail to be consistent about this? <laughs> Somebody here. Let's see. Uh, this is like Murtaugh explaining to Riggs about shooting perp in the leg so he could be questioned. How did that turn out? Yeah, that's exactly right. Four, three, seven, 16, 20, four, three, seven, 16, 20. Oh, somebody's um, correcting me on my, my, uh, uh, Making the identical of the 7.62 NATO versus the 7.62 um, AK round. Fair enough. Fair enough. You're right. The number of grains is different. That's fine. I'll, I'll take the I'll take the correction. Dude, that is all pops and whistles to I me. I know, right? Yeah, congratulations <laughs> to you both. No, no, <laughs> that's awesome, dude. It, 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 the the point people of, know their guns. Point of comparing the 5.56 to the 7.62, like the 308. That's accurate, but the other one with he's that's fine. That's fine. Uh, uh, David Wayne is in the newsroom this morning with our headlines. David? WNBA star Brittany Griner made a, uh, a special appearance yesterday at the Martin Luther King Jr. Day Parade in Phoenix. It was her first public appearance since she was released from Russian prison. Elon Musk's trial over a 2018 tweet scheduled to start today in a federal courtroom in San Francisco. 
Uh, back in August of 2018, uh, he tweeted that he'd put together a $72 billion deal for a company buyout. That didn't happen. And uh, so now there's a lawsuit about that starting today. And at least 25 people still unaccounted for after a Russian missile strike on an apartment building in southeastern Ukraine. Uh, that attack left 40 people dead. And uh, this is going on as an advisor to Pre- Ukraine's President Zelensky agreed earlier today to step down and asked for Zelensky's approval to do so. All right. Thanks so much, David. 527 here on News Radio 923. Um, I, I would. Um I don't want to get into that. I've, I've been on Biden all uh, this this half hour. We'll finish it off. This speech yesterday had so much stuff in it, uh, including, like I said, he were talking about assault weapons bans. And again, not, this one isn't particularly new, but I want you to hear it from him. I love my right wing friends who talk about the tree of liberty is water with the blood of patriots. Give me a, if you need to work about taking on the federal government, you need some F-15s. You don't need an RAR-15. I'm serious. Think about it. Think about the rationale for this. It's about money, 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 money. Okay, so I think there is money to be had in guns, although there's more money to be had in selling guns when you have Democratic presidents threatening to take them away. That's when you make all your profits. Gun companies didn't do as well under Trump because they weren't worried. That's just true. So weirdly, if your complaint is you want to reduce gun sales and cost gun manufacturers profits, then stop threatening to ban the weapons because that drives their bottom line real good. Anyway, um, Can, can an armed citizen, even with sporting rifles that are not fully automatic, right? Because that's the difference in an assault weapon and, and you know, uh, what you can own is an AR-15 uh, or, or an AK-47 that's and, and sing, uh, sing, sing, single shot, semi-automatic. Um, yeah, you know, you're probably not going to, like, uh, win the world, but they're still pretty effective. <laughs> they're still pretty useful. It's exactly the reason why people don't want them to have them who have despotic dreams in mind. I'm not saying Biden does. I'm saying around the world, if you look, that's what they prefer. But there were other things he brought up, too, that I just thought, my word, man, like, what is wrong with you? Why so salty on Martin Luther King Jr. Day? Like, for example, he brought up student loans. One more thing. I don't want to hear a word from uh, the other side about my student debt relief plan. Well, then surely we won't say anything. Let me tell you why I say that. It's going to help tens of millions of folks, folks on Pell Grants. We're hit financially because of the pandemic. 70% of black college students receive Pell Grants. For many black students, the saving will be significant in my debt relief plan, including wiping out their student debt completely. That's a real game changer. Okay, but the issue is whether that's appropriate and also how is it going to get funded and is it good for the educational system? I mean, you know, many things, conversations we've had before. But here's where he says this is why he doesn't want to hear from anybody. These are the same folks who didn't have any problem at all, any problem at all during the pandemic to vote for and make sure they get this so-called pandemic relief loan. Yeah, business support loans or PPP or losses, all of that. Why? Because we had a massive system shock economically and you wanted to stabilize companies so they didn't go away so that when the economy came back, you actually had jobs for people. That's different from paying off people's student loans. It's apples and bricks, not even apples and oranges to compare them. 
Fox News. I'm Chris Foster. China reports a slowdown in economic growth and a population drop for the first time since the end of a widespread famine in 1961. China says its mainland had 850,000 fewer people at the end of 2022 than the previous year. That still leaves a population of 1.41 billion people. But this is the year India is expected to overtake China as the most populous nation on earth. Fox's Jonathan Savage. Police in Goshen, California say the murder of six people, including a teenage mother and a baby and an elderly woman, all shot in the head, appears to be a drug cartel-related massacre. We believe that this was a targeted uh, family. We believe that there are gang associations that involved in this scene. Tulare County Sheriff Mike Boudreau, two women who survived hiding in a trailer, say they saw two men approaching on surveillance cameras. The other three victims were men. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning, 531. It's News Radio 92.3. I'm David Wayne. It is 67, partly cloudy right now in Pensacola. An Escambia school board member says funding is needed to establish community partnerships at more schools, specifically schools in low-income neighborhoods. The haves are doing pretty good in Escambia County. The have-nots, they are suffering. the, The solution is sitting right there in front of us. Kevin Adams, and he referenced partnerships that already exist at C.A. Weiss Elementary and Pine Forest High School. He says he hopes to see funds from Escambia Children's Trust used to establish more of those. The district currently has 11 schools with a 2022 grade of a D or F that are on the state's watch list. Funeral services for 104-year-old Pearl Harbor survivor Frank Eamond are going to be held this Friday. The the service will be held at Oaklawn Funeral Home on New Warrington Road. Visitation will begin at 11 a.m. and be followed by the funeral service. Graveside services will be held at Barrancas National Cemetery. Even as a Guinness World Record for being the world's oldest band conductor, he passed away last week. Milton police now investigating after staff at a local funeral home were digging a grave at the historic Milton Cemetery to prepare for a funeral and discovered a body. According to Channel 3, Milton Police Chief Tony Tyndall says that uh, the burial could be at least 20 years old. Cemetery records didn't show a body at that location. Tyndall says that as of now, though, there's nothing that indicates any foul play was involved. Congressman Matt Gates says former President Trump has a women problem, saying if he has any hopes of winning the presidency again in 2024, he should pick a female running mate. You see the grit of a Sarah Huckabee Sanders, you see the directness, the efficacy, um, really bold steps. Her first days as governor, banning TikTok on a lot of the government devices there. She's the kind of person I'd look at. Christy Nome also, Hmm. I think, would be a a pretty stellar pick. Speaking on the TimCast IRL podcast with Tim Pool, Gates uh, also added that the reason Trump won in 2016 was, was because a lot of women who didn't like him still voted for him over Hillary Clinton. Well, former reality TV stars Todd and Julie Chrisley are going to start serving their federal prison sentences here in Northwest Florida today. Both of them were sentenced to prison late last year for fraud and tax crimes. Todd Crisley received a 12-year sentence. He'll be serving his time right here in Pensacola at a minimum security facility on Raby Avenue. Julie will be serving seven years at a facility in Mariana. The couple are required to report to those facilities by noon today. It's 534 News Radio 92.3. 
This is meteorologist Burke Richardson with your first morning weather update. It's going to be a nice day out there today with temperatures warming up above average. High today near 73 degrees. Overnight tonight, temperatures dropping near 62. As you go into Wednesday, showers are possible. 40% chance of rain with a high near 75. Wednesday night, temperatures dropping near 65. Thunderstorms move in by Thursday morning with a high of 72. By Thursday night, temperatures drop into the 40s. Stay connected to the Channel 3 News First Morning Weather Team. Download the WEAR-TV weather app. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Morning Weather Center. It's partly cloudy right now. 67 in Pensacola, 68 in Gulf Breeze, 66 in Milton. Our next news at 6. Breaking news anytime. I'm David Wayne. News Radio 92.3. Informative. Local. Depend- dependable. Pensacola right now with Bobby Rossi. Afternoons at 4. This is why young adults ages 18 to 29 are living with mom and dad. I'm serious. This is what they're saying. They're basically saying, look, I'd rather live in mom and dad's basement to be able to go watch Avatar in IMAX 3D and pay 20 bucks a ticket and not blink at it. And get popcorn. (laughs) And get popcorn. Exactly. I'm going to go to see Avatar 2 in the theater and it's going to be 150 bucks for me to go by myself, but I can do it because I live with mom and dad in the basement. On News Radio 92.3. Informative. Local. Dependable. As the new year unfolds, here's another reason to buy your new Volkswagen from Piedmore Imports in Pensacola. How about over $1,000 off MSRP on the 2022 Volkswagen Tiguan? These VW SUVs with third row seats are priced to move, so hurry and take advantage of these discounted prices on a limited quantity of the 2022 VW Tiguan. Discounted over $1,000 off MSRP. And Piedmore Imports is offering a finance rate of 3 dollars 9% APR up to 36 months on select 2023 models, including the VW Taos, Tiguan, Atlas Cross, and Atlas SUV. Plus, military discounts of $500 are always available when you buy your new Volkswagen from Piedmore Imports on New Warrington Road. Piedmore Imports. They're not in Car City, so you won't pay Car City prices. 106 New Warrington Road, just up the street from NAS Pensacola. Special APR rates for qualified credit through BCI. See dealer for details. Pensacola Habitat for Humanity's annual Food Truck Festival is February 25th and 26th at Community Maritime Park in Pensacola. This event features a diverse mix of over 30 food trucks and entertainment for the whole family. It supports Pensacola Habitat for Humanity's mission to build homes, communities, and hope in Escambia and Santa Rosa counties. Learn more at PensacolaHabitatFoodTruckFest.org and follow Pensacola Habitat for Humanity on Facebook. All of your local news and talk from dependable host Andrew McKay on your morning drive with Pensacola Morning News 5 to 9 on News Radio 923. Five thirty-seven News Radio nine two three. I'm Andrew McKay. It's Pensacola Morning News. Yesterday, um, I had invited uh, Superintendent Dr. Tim Smith, a Scambi Superintendent Dr. Tim Smith, to be on the show because the Department of Education came out with some very distressing graduation rates on Friday. That essentially, Escambia had dropped like, depending on which year of reference you compare us with. Uh, seven or like nine points, whereas other in graduation rate, whereas other counties had not had this same drop off. In fact, some of our neighboring counties had actually gone up a little bit or held even and the state had gone up just a little bit over the same time frame. And I wanted to give him a chance to explain what he thought was going on. Superintendent Smith, welcome back to the Pensacola Morning News, sir. 
Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate the time this morning. Absolutely. So I look at these numbers and I, it's horrifying. I mean, my first reaction is, holy cow, you know, we, we seem to be doing a little bit better every year, even though our numbers were never objectively great. And then all of a sudden, massive setback that I don't think can be laid at the feet of COVID because other counties and across the state didn't have it. Who should I blame? Well, there are some important dynamics at work in the 2019-2020 testing cycle. If you recall, we did not have tests that year, and uh, our graduation rate for that year went up from 84.8 to 86.5 percent. The following year, we uh, went from 86.5 percent to 80. 7%, uh, that was the 2020-21 year. Now, what took place in those two years, the 2019-2020 and the 2020-2021 year, is that the test scores for uh, a high school graduation requirement were weighed. So if a student had trouble passing Algebra one or the English two exam, that would not be a hindrance for them to graduate. This most recent cycle, the 2021-2022 year, it did, and so we and we had a significant drop. You are absolutely correct. Um, where where we have to be uh, moving forward is making sure one that we're monitoring our students who are struggling with these tests, providing intervention and then making sure we're having them retake the test as much and, and as frequently as possible. So if a student does not pass the English, uh, the sophomore English class, which is the grad requirement, what has to be done is we have to retest that student every opportunity we can. And then also our ACT and SAT exams have to be given every opportunity as well because those can act as concordance scores and have the students get over the, over the finish line with that required test. Uh, I, I think what, when we look back, we had a significant number of students who came back from masking, and we had a significant number of students who did not, and they missed a lot of instruction. And uh, I, I don't think that's the cause in, in its entirety. But uh, certainly uh, that had an impact, that, that missed instruction for the better part of a year. And, and then those students, in essence, had not as many opportunities to retake those tests. It's kind of that, the dynamic that emerged. Now, whether, whether you know, we can move forward or not, I, I those steps have to be in place for us to to move forward is is to and when we can do that we can have that more frequent testing those makeup tests given as often as possible for our students so help me out here because what what i hear you saying is something like this um the 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 graduation rates for the couple of years were artificially high and now they're back to what they were based on the testing. But our solution to this is to give them more opportunities to pass the test. To my way of thinking, a test is just a measuring device. 
And if we are having to emphasize passing the test so heavily, that's evidence that the students don't have the underlying education the test is supposed to measure. I don't think you solve that by just emphasizing the test. It seems like the underlying problem of these students just don't know enough to do well on the test is the issue. Well, and, and that's certainly, and, and we haven't spoken about the instructional piece of it as well, and, and you are correct on that. Um, what I was sharing with, with you certainly was a logistics issue and a, a follow-up follow systemically, but, but you are correct on that as well as the instructional side of that. Um, when you look at an English exam, standards in the English courses um, they, they vary, but not significantly different from a freshman English to a sophomore English class. There's a lot of, of similarity there. So so you are correct on that, is why do we have some students who are learning those standards and some, some who are not? Um, and, I, and, and, and that actually gets... No, and I was going to say, and, and the other thing that I'm kind of, what I'm really trying to struggle to understand is, why did Escambia County, so differently from the state, from Santa Rosa, from Okaloosa, have this issue that that's that's the piece of this that I'm I don't feel like I have yet can do you have an answer for that because that's that's the part that I'm particularly interested in and I mentioned and I don't know if it's relevant you're the one who would be study, would know this better I was talking before we brought you on about the incredible disparity among the more urban high schools Washington uh, Pensacola Escambia and Pine Forest where the in Pine Forest, not as much, but they're low overall to begin with, that the disparity between white and black graduation rates is enormous, like 20 points or more. Why Escambia uniquely had this big drop? And is there a dimension of this that has anything to do with the race of the students somehow? You you tell me. Well, and, and I have not done an in-depth. These rates came out last week. I have sure, not that's had fair. an opportunity to do a a thorough um, analysis on this, but I will tell you one of the greatest challenges that exists in public education today is the disparity between uh, economic groupings. And so what you're, what you're seeing is if you look at poverty rates, um, that's where I think we start to see some correlations. So where there's higher rates of poverty, uh, there, there tend to be a correlation of more struggling performance. And if you look at the, the poverty rates based off of free and reduced lunch rates uh, from one district to another, um, I think you'll, you'll, I would speculate we would see some patterns there. Uh, I took a pretty quick glance at that looking at that angle and I saw some of that but again I haven't had really enough time to dive deep into that um, and, and that's one so, of so is struggles. the issue there I mean I'm, I'm just I'm trying to put together all the various things that I'm hearing from you it's not black white per se it's those as markers for economic conditions which might in turn be markers for um, you know home conditions support from parents multiple or single parent families but also Remote learning was particularly hard on economically disadvantaged students, right? That was un- it was bad for everybody. It was uniquely bad for them. Is that right? Yes, yes, you are exactly right. And there, there, interestingly enough, there were pretty high. There was a pretty high percentage of uh, economically uh, 
struggling families who had students on the remote learning. So now, now why that happened, that's a whole separate conversation, I'm sure. But, um, but, but those factors will have impact. And so, and it's, it's really, it's one of our greatest struggles with education across the country is the different performances economically and that, that correlation. And that's been, been one of our big struggles. So for us moving forward, what we need to do is we have to have instructional excellence every day. That's always a driver for us, but we also need to provide interventions. And um, often we need to create ways to have extra time for students who may have, may be struggling with, with classes Um, and, and trying, you, you know, when you think about it, you can have an advanced student who goes home and does a couple hours of homework. Um, and if you have a, a student who's not doing a couple hours of homework, you, you see time disparity that emerges there. And so how can we create ways to, to, to get some more time? Certainly complicated uh, question there, but it's, it's those types of interventions that we, we have to strive to, to maximize. And this is where you would talk about like that. after school programs, you know, uh, educational mentoring, tutoring programs at like community centers and things like that, I, I assume as well. But you also, um, yes. and this came up in a previous uh, school board meeting, you also are trying to focus more on just basic attendance rates, which is a real problem in our county as well. And we know that attendance, I mean, if you're missing your seven hour school day and you're missing it a lot, that overall aggregates to a lot of missed instructional time, which will translate into school grades and graduation rates, right? That's right. And we get the reversed, uh, uh, the reverse effect when our students are missing uh, class. We get the exact opposite of what we want. Instead of extra time, we're getting less time. And right. So we've been running about 91% daily average rate of attendance throughout our district. We monitor that. Every school monitors that every week because we're trying to push that rate up. And so uh, we sometimes we see some glimpses in, in late December, we went up to 92%, which was, it's not great, but it's a win going up a, a whole percent. And and we, we track that weekly. And we, the schools are trying different, different things to, you know, encourage student attendance, but it is, it is gigantic uh, to have, when you think about that, it, 91%, that means, at any given day, nine percent of the students are not in school. I, I know that, it's that's, that's a terrible it, number. <laughs> it's an awful number, it unfortunately. It, it 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 absolutely is, and so that's a uh, that's a great challenge that we have, and we have to we have to turn that. So. Do, do we again year, see a correlation? And uh, you know the numbers better than I do, but do we again see a correlation there? I've looked at it, but I didn't necessarily see what I was hoping to find. Is there a correlation again there with attendance to economic disadvantaged students, you know, um, uh, free and reduced school lunch, for example, percentages? Do we see that? So so here's what um, I, I saw last year. There was about a 5% difference in daily average rate of attendance between A and B schools and DNF schools. Mm. Our okay. DNF schools also hedge towards uh, higher uh, poverty rates. Okay. So I, I would say, yeah, yes, there's certainly a, a, a pattern there. Okay. All right. Well, 
So that's a much broader conversation then about what we need to do to serve those students. Um, but that, that I, so that that helps me a lot, and that gives me at least some understanding of what are some of the what's the shape of some of the challenges that we're up against. And and I appreciate that, um, Superintendent Smith. Uh, I had a bunch of other stuff I wanted to get to with you, but I knew this was the key thing we wanted to talk about. Again, thank you for taking some time to talk with me, even while you're kind of returning from vacation. Um, I always hate to interrupt people on vacation, but I appreciate it, especially since this just came out on Friday, and you, as you say, haven't had a chance to really look deeply into the numbers uh but i look forward to having more conversations uh, about this in the future and again thank you for the time sir i appreciate it well and and andrew thank you i appreciate the time and, and i appreciate your advocacy for our students and our our schools thank you i that that, that is is greatly appreciated Absolutely. 551 here on News Radio 92.3. And yeah, I um, I think the school board is likely to have a conversation about, you know, what to do with these numbers. Uh, do you blame the circumstances? Do you blame the parents? Do you blame the teachers? Do you blame the administration? You know, we had a an appointed hired superintendent versus an elected one that was supposed to solve a lot of things. And um, if you consider this the first big report card, it's not a good one. So I think I, I suspect they're going to have that conversation. Uh, but we'll see, you know, we'll see. And I'm not, I'm not saying that's the right solution either. I, I don't know. I, I feel like I don't know enough to know, uh, what the right answer here is exactly, but I appreciate the input and the, you know, I, that's why I wanted to have money because I wanted to hear the explanation from the superintendent. 551 here on News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay. Remember when washing machines were made in America, were solidly built and actually got your clothes clean? They aren't a thing of the past. They are Speed Queen and they are available at Tops Appliance. Speed Queen washer and dryers combine durability and technology into the best washers and dryers in the world. Speed Queen will change the way you think about washing machines. They're built to last longer and deliver exceptional wash results. Unlike many other washers and dryers with plastic parts, Speed Queen uses commercial grade steel and porcelain components designed to give you at least 25 years of reliable, trouble-free operation. That's why they come with lifetime warranties, the best warranties in the business. See store for warranty details. Speed Queen washers and dryers are built to work and built to last. If you want durability, innovation, and perfectly done laundry the first time, then you want Speed Queen. See these great Speed Queen washers and dryers for yourself at Topps Appliance on Highway 90 in Milton, just east of Stewart Street. The cost of health care is all in the news. Tune in this morning at 10 on the Pensacola Expert Panel as ProHealth will be the guest in discussing how ProHealth medical membership programs can help you take out the stress and cost of health care. That's this morning at 10 as ProHealth will be the guest on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. This is Tort Talk with personal injury lawyer Terrence A. Gross. Hi, this is Terrence A. Gross. Did you know that Floridians can stack uninsured motorist coverage? If you have three vehicles with 25,000 stacking UM, that equates to $75,000 in total coverage. Therefore, always choose stacking coverage if you have more than one vehicle in your household. Tort Talk is brought to you by Terrence A. Gross. Call 434-3333 or check them out at grossandschuster.com. Stream us online at newsradio923.com or download the News Radio Pensacola app. Sir, does this mean that Aunt Margaret's not coming? This is 
So I've ever told you I, uh, I will sing this as Spencer's mom? Yeah, because my husband <laughs> sings it as Beazle's mom. <laughs> nice. Okay. From Five, movie 43, that's one of our cats. 554, yeah. News Radio 92.3. Good morning. I'm Andrew McKay. It's Pensacola Morning News. Warm, by the way. 65, like now. I mean, it's shorts weather right now, and the sun isn't even out yet. Just, you know, it's one of those things where I'm getting into that part where I basically just have to check my phone every morning when I wake up. Like, What's the world telling me today? Because I'm never sure in advance. I'm saying da- I know. Some days you grow another layer of hair, and then other times it's fine. David Wayne is in the newsroom this morning with our headlines. David? Three weeks of relentless rain in California now winding down, giving the state a little bit of a break from all the storms that have turned neighborhoods into lakes and roads into rivers. Uh, the storms have killed 20 people there. At least eight people wounded after being shot during a Martin Luther King Jr. Day event in Fort Pierce yesterday. The community was celebrating a car show and what was billed as a family fun day. All eight victims, adults, one said to be in uh, critical condition. And reality TV, TV stars, or possibly former reality TV stars, Todd and Julie Crisley, beginning their prison sentences here in Florida today. Uh, the stars of the uh, show Chrisley Knows Best were convicted last year on bank fraud and tax evasion. All right. Very good, David. Thanks so much for the update. 555. Uh, oh, I was reading a thing yesterday, kind of follow up on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, because, you know, sometimes the news comes out through the day, not the day ahead. Like they're not trying to show prep for me. <laughs> Silly. Anyway, <laughs> come on. I needed the night before. Anyway, uh, it was an interesting, like, you know, little known facts about Martin Luther King Jr., uh, his name, Michael King Jr. Michael. He was the son of Michael King Sr., both of whom had their names changed when Martin was a young boy in homage to Martin Luther, you know, the reformer. The, the, the uh, of the 95 the Theses? Revolution. Yeah, that's right. The Protestant Revolution. Uh, revolution. Um, well, it was. Reformation. Right. Um, so anyway, so he was Michael born, but then Martin later. Um, he skipped grades 9 and 12 as a gifted student, and entered Morehouse College at the age of 15. He was arrested 29 times in the course of his life, typically charged, of course, with civil disobedience, breaking the laws that he was trying to get eradicated. And then this is my favorite. This is like my, this is so, this is so appropriate. He uh, trained to be a minister at Crozier Theological Seminary, where he took a public speaking course. Oh. His oh. grade in the public speaking course. See. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're kidding me. No, oh, that's crazy. And so you don't know whether this is like Michael Jordan, you know, not making the team or whatever, when, or if he was really just not that good yet, mm-hmm. which can happen. I mean, people can develop skills, traits, abilities, and, you know, later in life, that's possible. But I'm glad he sure did. It's hard. It's certainly hard to imagine that Martin Luther King Jr. would have gotten a C in a public speaking course in college and then gone on to be who he was. Seems like maybe the professor <laughs> was the one who didn't quite see the gifted student. Four, three, seven, sixteen, twenty. <laughs> oh, and I thought I thought this was just fascinating. You, there's always this challenge of figuring out what to do to keep like pesky teenagers away from the, the you know the the convenience store. They call Seven Elevens. We don't have them here. We call them K, uh, Circle K's or formerly Tom Thumbs, now Cumberland Farms, whatever. Um, and one of the things I remember several years ago was they came out with this thing called the Mosquito which was a high-pitched noise device that only people who are young can hear. Right, right. Because your, your ears get right. worse over time, and <laughs> sure. you just don't hear it, but to them it's like a mosquito, and it's annoying, and they don't want to be around it. So they'd play this thing, or at least that was the theory several years ago, was they'd play this thing out in front from a speaker up above, like on the roof, and then the basically the loiterers 
who are young would not want to loiter there. They'd loiter sure. somewhere else. Well, a um, more recent problem is dealing with homelessness and vagrancy. And, look, I know as well as anybody that there are some people who are homeless who are wonderful, amazing human beings, and then there are other people who are homeless who are really bad, you know, it's a problem, okay? Uh, and, you know, you can always kind of lump those all together, unfortunately. But in any case, in Austin— you had uh, people who were like trying to go to work and they were just getting harassed by homeless people and, you know, felt like they were unsafe and, you know, carrying self-defense weapons, all that. Well, 7-Eleven store owners, apparently not just in Texas, but elsewhere in the country, um, are so fed up with the homeless presence around their stores that they're now blaring opera music out the speakers. Ha, ha, ha. Which I bet that'll get them out. Yeah, and apparently it works. <laughs> Does it really? Apparently it works. <laughs> oh, you know, man. homeless people hate Wagner or something. I mean, I don't know. It's weird. Like, I wouldn't think that would be enough to drive That's you away. That's right. No Bizet or Petunia for me. <laughs> <laughs> Done. That's right. So, you know, but look, if it works to drive away the dangerous or menacing or threatening, you know, people who come around and beg everybody for money at the pumps and harass the women, which is what happens, yeah. uh, then good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, good. If, well, La Boheme opens this weekend, so oh yeah, maybe so that'll help downtown. We'll just, you know, we'll simulcast <laughs> it at uh, all of the gas stations and we'll solve the problem. Perfect. Every, every, the, that's just how the world all gets better. All of Palafox, <laughs> in fact. Listen on air at 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. News Radio 92.3.